We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Are you ready for heart-stopping, toe-tingling, coma-inducing levels of drama and romance? Okay, great. Well, you can find it all included with Prime Video. Check out Expat, starring Nicole Kidman, The Idea of You, starring Anne Hathaway, and the history-bending romanticy, My Lady Jane, which will leave you speechless forever. Or till the end of the episode. Find your happy place. Prime Video. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Hello, my name is Miriam Nice and I'm your host for this episode of the BBC Good Food podcast with Chef Tom Kerridge. This time we're going to be discussing Kitchen Kit. We're going to be talking about energy saving ideas and ways we can use maybe some restaurant tricks and gadgets at home to speed up or improve our food. What's your favourite piece of Kitchen Kit or appliance right now, Tom? So like if one of them just came to life and you could shake its hand and say thank you for your sterling work, what would that be? So there's a, it's always, for me, the simplest of things, like a big, nice chopping board and a very simple stay sharp, sharpened knife. And those are the those are the kind of like the go to thing. Like there's nothing worse than a small chopping board that doesn't work properly that you, you can't get going with it. That's got it, it's 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 designed to look lovely, but actually is completely non-functional. Like it, those glass chopping boards, they're like the worst things ever. I've never like, <laughs> like, yeah. like it's, for me, big, thick, nice wooden chopping board. If you've got the space for it, get one because they're you could you do all sorts of stuff on it once you chop it there's room for you to move it to one side and you've got to like they become an integral part of the way that you work in a kitchen so a great chopping board and nice knives they though though I know I mean it's an obvious thing to say but they are the simplest and and they they make your life so much easier absolutely and the, the heavy ones they don't slide around as much and they're just yeah much better it just makes everything work doesn't it I, I mean the thing about kitchen kit is for good stuff, it is punchy on price, right? It is expensive. Like good pots and pans are expensive. Nice knives are expensive. Big, beautiful, thick wooden chopping boards are really pricey. But if you look after them, they will last forever. They can last. For, it's a lifetime investment. All right. So in, in terms of energy efficiency, mm. a microwave springs to my mind. Um 
we've just got one I haven't had one for ages because I didn't have room for one but now I do and is do you have one like do you have one at home and in the restaurants do you use it a lot so no in the restaurants they don't they don't exist in the restaurants uh there might be one or two that float about for a way of making herbs crispy like basically that's it but they, they're not used in the restaurants at all um at home I'm quite lucky I've got a an, an oven that changes functionality so it can steam and it will also it does also work as a microwave but that's I don't cook in it um anything from scratch but I do use it an awful lot as in a reheat like I've got a six-year-old you know like it's good for doing frozen peas in like you know things like that just standard day-to-day cooking we use it a lot for just heating up bits and bobs of tea so so yeah I mean and they are they do get things hot very, very quickly. In terms of cooking, there's a there's not a process to it. You know, there's not... Part of the cooking process develops flavour in the term of the way that you cook things. With a microwave, there's no process in a flavour. It's just a thing of reheating. And that's... So So I don't use it as an integral part of cooking. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Um, I've made those sort of little parmesan crisps, just like a small quantity in the microwave. That works really nicely. Have you done that? And if not, tell me about those herbs, those dried herbs. I, I've not done You've that. Not done it. really no, fun. how does that work? So you just put little mounds, about half a teaspoon of finely grated parmesan on some sheets of baking parchment, and then you just microwave it for like just 10 second bursts, like keep checking it, and you want it to be a little bit bubbly and melted. Then you leave it for a minute and it sets and they're just crisp. And I, I think you don't want to, I didn't want to toast it too much. I just want it to sort of have that little snap and then you can put it on a risotto or something. Nice. I'm no, giving you do, a we, recipe. What uh, fun. That's amazing. <laughs> so we do those uh, things like that, it, it, but we've done them in, in a conventional oven where you bake them in an oven. I didn't know you could do the microwave. Today is a school day. I like that. <laughs> um, and the herbs are kind of like, you get a plate, um, cover it with cling film, a layer of cling film, so it's, it's very tight on it. Um, and then you get a herb leaf, like a parsley or coriander, um, and then you kind of like dip it in a little bit of oil, brush it in oil, place it onto the plate, uh, put, and then you cling film that. And it kind of, that cooking process, it makes them transparent and nice and crispy as opposed to necessarily deep frying them, but it keeps their shape a little bit better. So that's so that's one way of using it. Would that work with sort of sage or something? Because I do that for like on top of a risotto. I often get a pan out to then make a little sage kind of oil to go on top and have some crispy sage. But I could just do it in the microwave. Yeah, I don't know about sage because sage is a much denser leaf, isn't it? It's thicker. Um, so I've not done it with sage, but the, I, I, but delicate ones, delicate ones. Yeah, sage is quite. I mean, we could have a go. I would bet. It probably wouldn't. I reckon there's too much moisture in a sage leaf. It's quite a thick thing, isn't it? Okay, brilliant. Um, And what about, this one's from my childhood, actually. So on Great British Menu, which you're the head judge, congratulations, what a lovely gig. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) One of the gadgets I saw on there was the pressure cooker. Now, I I remember these from my childhood, but I don't have one. Should I get one? How does it work? Will it explode? No, it won't explode. <laughs> yes, you should get one, and it works very easily. So it cooks under pressure. So it means that you can braise and cook things um, in about a third of the time that it would normally take. So a three-hour casserole can be done in like a, a, a forty-five minutes to an hour. So it 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 creates a vacuum in the pressure. So what it does is it intensifies. I'm not entirely sure of the science. But the way that it works is amazing. And they they have made a huge comeback um, in terms of 
chefs using them um it means that we can get things done much quicker can get things done in time for lunch for example rather than worrying about it on a daily basis and also then in professional kitchens we have a couple of them that are much bigger so um something called a brat pan which is where you braise and cook loads and loads of things you can now do those that are sealed and cook under pressure so we yeah great big vats of them so yeah they and they they work brilliantly and it's a great way of it's a great way of intensifying flavor so yeah invest in one they're not very expensive um, and they work brilliantly. So definitely, definitely get one. So talk me through a, a, a kind of casserole recipe in a in a pressure cooker. How would I go about that? What do I do? Exactly the same way as you would any other. I mean, you could basically, if you cook and create all of the ingredients, maybe in your casserole pan on the stove where you sear and brand the meat and braise all the vegetables, do whatever else, add the stock, bring it up to the bowl. You can then pour it into the pressure cooker, put the lid on, tighten it and cook it. That's it. So take it out of the casserole. So where you'd normally put it in an oven at 150 degrees and cook it for um three three and a half hours until i don't know say you're doing shin of beef until it's all lovely and tender then in a pressure cooker it'd be done in 45 minutes to an hour wow so i'd take some shin of beef maybe would i brown some onions first and then exactly that yeah. brown the onions mm-hmm. brown the shin of the beef, beef first, like, yeah. Yeah, like caramelize that get that beautiful flavor caramelize the onions you can even carrots as well so when i cook carrots in a in a, in a braise we always caramelize them heavily 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 because they contain so many natural sugars and that's a beautiful flavor and the more you caramelize things and the more things have got those kind of lovely dark tinges of uh, of color the more color and depth of flavor will go into the stock when you pour that on top so if you pour and lovely brown beef or chicken stock over it it will still intensify everything so if you get lots and lots of color on all your veggies on all of the meat and then build it all together into into your um pressure cooker and cook it from there so i yeah shin of beef carrots is there anything else and stock so chicken stock beef stock for that uh, Yeah, beef stock would be preferable, but chicken stock is absolutely fine. Caramelized onions are amazing. Again, garlic, celery works really, really well. Um, And then if you wanted some proper, you know, really earthy root vegetables, Swedes and turnips, they're they're absolutely stunning. However, as we're heading into spring, summertime, you know, but braises are still very, very good for the summertime. If you think of... um, if you think of some really hot countries, actually, slow-cooked braised food is the staple diet of it. If you think of North Africa, you've got wonderful slow-cooked lamb tagine-style food. If you think of some beautiful, rich, deep-flavoured curries that come from India, you know, these are these are hot countries. So it's just weird in this country that we don't see a braise or a casserole as something that is only essentially seen as being a winter thing. That's because of the type of vegetables we use. So we throw in those root vegetables which are amazing but they are in season when it comes to when when we've had first frost this i mean if you were to do one for the summertime it's absolutely nothing wrong with using beautiful summer style beetroots they would work wonderfully with it and and lightening the kind of flavors you add to it you could just do a very very simple one with carrots and beef and then at the end put loads of fresh vegetables in it loads of peas loads of broad beans loads of runner beans that have been chopped up stir them through and just let them cook in that kind of residual heat rather than boiling them blanching them first and then all of a sudden you've got this slow braised flavor that's delicious but freshened up 
with lots of fresh bees, uh, peas, beans, and then a load of chopped soft herbs would be delicious through that. Amazing. What would you serve that with? Big crusty bit of bread? Or? Oh, that would be delicious. And do you know what works really well with a summer stew that, as a herb that no one really thinks about is mint. Everyone just thinks mint goes with, you know, uh, goes really nicely with desserts, mm. amazing, and lamb. But actually it goes with so many different things. It lightens, it's so fresh. Definitely put that with a beef stew. And then if I wanted to make that same that same stew, but without a pressure cooker, like how long would I have to leave that for? About about three hours in a 150 degree oven, it would be perfect. But that's so much better, like doing that, like you say, in the summer, because if it's going to take 45 minutes or something in a pressure cooker, then you've not got it sweating away for three hours making your kitchen warm. So. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Save on time, energy, costs. We all yeah. hear about energy yeah. saving costs. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Yeah, I did a bit of research and I think a website on the Energy Saving Trust website said like not overloading your fridge was quite good, like not putting too, too much in there um, can help it make, uh, can help it run a bit more efficiently and not overfilling your kettle was also a good one. Yeah, because then you, yeah, I, I could see that. And the fridge thing is quite a big thing. So we, we went through this period, didn't we, of everybody wanting these American style big fridges and I'm very fortunate we got one of those and they're absolutely stunning, but they're not, it's not there as a, this kind of, thing that you have that looks lovely in your kitchen there is a real purpose to it a big fridge means that if you've got a family or you've got food in there lots of fresh food air circulation means that the food stays fresher and better for longer if you've got a small fridge and you're just packing it full all the time the efficiency and the way it works that is you know it becomes it really is lowered it goes it's a lot poorer that airflow that air circulation then means that the food isn't staying as chilled as long it's getting packed it's getting squashed then it's not getting it's not staying as fresh you end up having to use things quicker or you forget to use them then you end up with wastage so a big fridge isn't just like this kind of statement piece about how much money you've earned and isn't it great you've got a big fridge the big fridge is actually there if you've got the space for it it will save you money long term in terms of food uh, 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 preservation yeah that's a good tip all right so what about futuristic kit so what's the most futuristic piece of kitchen kit that you've got and what's it used for uh to be honest 
there isn't a great deal. I mean, at home, I have half of my stove is induction. So you go, okay. And I think that there's a lot of houses and a lot of homes now are spending money on those induction hobs, which work really well. It has this kind of, it works on magnets. So it has to conduct um, and it conducts heat really quite fast, rapidly, um, and it is it is uber efficient. If you think you know in gas ovens that we have at, at work, you come in in the morning at eight o'clock, you turn the gas oven on, um, and it just you know you're just pumping gas through straight out and just heating everything up. Where you're using induction, it brings it up to the temperature that you've selected, and then it keeps cutting out once it's reached there. So those efficiencies are definitely made. And we've gone through the point now. So every every restaurant now is all electric. Everything that everywhere we cook is all electric, um, but some of them work with planches, so they're not induction. So you can just put pans on them all over the place. But it, it, I, th I think in terms of efficiency, electric, even though it costs more per unit, it, it's easier to regulate what you're doing, and it's also cleaner to use. So the, I suppose the most futuristic bit of kit that we've got is induction hobs. In terms of other things, you know, water bath cookery, sous vide cookery is something that people have been doing for a long time now. Uh, that exists in many of the restaurant spaces, um, not at home. And apart from that, there isn't really, there isn't really much, uh, you know, standard bits of kit like everybody else. Have you got any kind of like old like spoons or like knives that you've just like picked up that you've passed down on? Yeah, I mean, as a chef of 30 years, I've got a couple of knives that have been with me for a long, long time that have almost like they've moulded to my hands so they only ever fit me. Um, and there's a couple of spoons, service-like spoons that I've used um, over the years that, that they stay with me. Um palette knives just little bits and bobs that are become part of your daily workspace they're my tools they're the tools of the trade so they stay with me but obviously you know as things get older they do get used they do things do break you know i've lost many a knife sadly um so yeah so there's there's a few bits and bobs and pieces of equipment that have been with us for a while but most of it most of it is just regened you you know as a as a shelf life of three or four years and then apart from apart from the nice knives and then you just go okay they are my work tools you look after them and every chef every chef owns their own kit so when you go into a, a, a restaurant if you went in there like all all the all, all the cooking equipment the pots the pans and all that sort of stuff is the restaurants, but each chef has their own set of knives. They'll have their own knives that feel right in the balance. And that's one of those questions that I get asked a lot about kitchen kit and, you know, what knives do I recommend? Well, all of them. Yeah. Do, do you know what they all, you have to go out there, you have to pick it up, you have to put it in your hand and it has to feel weighted and right for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it has to be, you, you can't just say this is the right way. It's like a pair of shoes. Do you know what I mean? They could all be a size 10, but actually there's the ones that go, okay, actually these are, this is the right one. And it could range from a 15 pound knife to a 500 pound knife. Like I can't tell you which one is going to work best for you you've you've got to feel it you've got and it's almost like knowing you you'll know the moment you you go okay yeah i get it this one this one feels amazing and the more you use it the more you practice with it the more you understand it the more and we i often talk about um 
knives, you have to kind of like tame them. You have to, because once you, a brand new knife, like it's got its own energy and it's got its own kind of, uh, uh, a kind of like electric kind of personality of its, it, it, it will do its own thing. You've got to control that and you've got to understand where it's going. You've got to feel the, his own idiosyncrasies, the the length of it, the width of it, the, the, the gap, how, where it feels in your hand. So the more you use it, the more you practice with it, the more it becomes tamed it becomes like a, it becomes like your favorite you know your best mate dog like it'll wander around with you or hang out with you it will be you know you're in charge of it but you've got to use it you need to name them if you haven't already yeah, i feel like uh, they need a lot of names yeah yeah get them engraved <laughs> this one's called gary yeah <laughs> yeah then you get really upset when someone steals them i bet I yeah bet. i mean that happens all the time in kitchens they disappear are you trying to recall any now on the podcast? I am missing this. No, there's been, there's been a few that have been missing over time. However, like, to be honest now, most of my knives are in semi-retirement at home. So because we've got six spaces that every restaurant I go to, I don't carry them around with me because, you know, carrying a set of knives around with you. Is that, so I just turn up and if I have to do any chopping, I just rob somebody else's. <laughs> so most of, my, most of mine are in semi-retirement at home. But I know what you mean about finding something and just like that. Yes, that's right. I'm particular about certain palette knives. So if I'm making cakes or just serving or doing some food styling, it's just there's certain ones. I'm just like, yeah, that's exactly the right flexibility. It's, it fits in my hand. I've got quite small hands, so it, it's really important. I think I bought the exact same one for my nephew because I was like, this, this is the one that I really like, and it was about three pounds or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, like, this, I love this one. Honestly, it's the right way of doing it. You you have to you understand it. You feel it, and you know, you know. Or, it's all to do, if you work with a practical job where you're using your hands and you're using, you know, your arms and your movement, it's the same as people that I know, work in the building trade or plasterers, you know, they they will have a particular style and the way that they their actions work and there's this certain tool that will fit with them in the right way and it's exactly the same as chefs and knives except um, that they end up being sharp. So if you get the wrong one, yeah, every now and then you'll give yourself a, a couple of nicks. <laughs> Yeah, also done that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we all have, don't worry. That's another thing for everyone at home. Don't worry. If you've cut yourself with a knife, it's absolutely fine. Right? Everyone has done it. Professional chefs still do it now. Yep. Um, there are definitely things that I used in the test kitchen here that I wanted to use at home, like forevermore. So things like the silicon mats for baking, because you can wash them. It's not that kind of single use. Is there anything you saw in kitchens? You're like, yeah, I need to, I need to have this at home. This yeah, is great. Do you know what those silicon mats are? A, a prime example of something that you should be using at home: um, baking parchment and greaseproof paper. You know, you're constantly using it and throwing it away, and it, like it's a, the silicon mats are amazing. That you, you they, they work so so well. So yeah, they're something that comes through into restaurants that have then filtered through um kitchen roll again like for, for us we used lots in the restaurant we, we i mean we used but at home it's a big thing understanding how to use kitchen roll as well okay so a lot of people will use kitchen like they pull loads of loads of it like into a big ball and wipe it like and just do that's not the way to do it the most efficient way of doing kitchen roll is taking sheet by sheet and if you've spilt water or something put a sheet on and then the second sheet on and leave it stand back for, for 30 seconds let it act like a sponge then pick it up don't just go wiping spreading it around it's that you use kitchen roll very differently if you're using it as a, a as like a tea towel like it's a different thing no that's good i prefer a washable cloth like i have like microfibers that i use for for wiping surfaces because you know, i can keep washing them but i guess in the restaurant it's you're going to get through so many yeah no we get yeah no we use microfiber cloths as well yeah i mean restaurant these are the things these are 
a lot of the things that costs of people that they don't really take into account when they go and eat out is the things like microfiber cloths, like blue roll, like, you, you know, sanitizer spray, like all of these things are hugely expensive and add to every, if you think you're in a kitchen for 16 hour days and then it's 17, uh, seven days a week, the, the, the amount of spillages, the amount of cleaning, the amount of whatever else that goes on, it's constant and the, 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 they all come in at cost. So yeah, any efficiencies you can make there, definitely. I also found the value of like a really good, powerful blender. You mentioned about spending what you can on certain pieces of equipment. For me, I really like them because there's certain things like it will blitz through um, like the seeds and tomatoes, things like that. Um, so I don't have to strain them out. Would you more likely strain them out rather than <laughs> whiz them up? No, well, the, 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 see, there's a couple of things with blenders. So you can buy um, a really good one that heats up as well so that they work really then they blend beautifully but they, they've also got a cookery book that come with them you can actually cook dishes in them you know there's a they're, and and they're they're great pieces of kit they are uber expensive but they are amazing um and they work really really nicely uh in terms of blending to very very smooth purees they they work they can make soups from scratch they do all these sort of things they're, they're built for a home kit actually but they're in every professional kitchen and they because they blend so so well um and also just a really good jug blender again same sort of thing that they, they, they powerful big engines in them that with sharp blades that really do blitz everything nice and smoothly so yeah you haven't really got to sieve anything out um we will always pass it through the yeah. restaurant we will always make sure <laughs> just in case however but yeah they do make a big big difference so that lovely velvety texture yeah. And that's very different to like a food processor with a blade in it because that doesn't get anything anywhere near as smooth. However, a food processor does work for lots of other things. You can make pastries in it. You can make pasta doughs. You can make all sorts of different things. You can make um, like chicken mousses. You can make all sorts. So, I mean, there's two bits of kit there. If you've got to choose one or the other, I mean, I would go for the food processor because it's a little bit more versatile. You get a lot more from it. You can do many other things. But yeah, a good jug blender, one thing. Food processor is another thing. If, you, if you're into cooking and you're doing it a lot, I mean, you buy both of those pieces of kit. Yeah, they're really, really helpful. And just big volumes of chopping as well. That can, if you want to chop something really fine, uh, mince it up. And uh, yeah, a pate would be lovely or a mousse or something in there. A exactly. Mousse in there yeah, exactly. Where it can be still just a little bit coarser. Okay. How would you make that? Because I haven't made a pate in my food processor. Uh, a mousse in a food processor for a long time. How uh, would you do that? So you blend your... So for example, if it was going to be a chicken mousse, you'd take the chicken breast and t- try and take the sinew out, that little fillet where it's got a bit of sinew through it, to remove that, and then a good pinch of salt mm-hmm. and the chicken breast chopped up, and you food pro- you process them until they come quite smooth and, and, and a paste. And the salt helps break that proteins down and stretches them and makes them a paste. Then you'd add a couple of eggs, some, uh, some dried herbs, some seasoning, um, and then you could add, now, this is the tricky bit, you could add double cream as you're blending it and putting it together. But if you over whip it, the cream will split. So as you add double cream, it kind of gives it air rates it and volumes. Or from a safety point of view, you could do single cream and it kind of just blends it all together to like a smooth texture, a little bit like a frankfurter sausage. You know, that kind of, and that's what you're looking for. And then after that, you can pass it through a fine sieve if you wanted to. However, we're at home. Don't worry. That chicken mousse, <laughs> you could steam it, poach it. E- either way, it works really well um, bound with some sort of vegetables. You can use it as a stuffing. You can mix it with sausage meat and create something really tasty. So yeah, it's a really, it's a food process 
process is a really good way of making them. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I think I'd pick the blender, but now I'm like, oh, maybe I'd, if I had to choose one now, maybe the food processor. Yeah, see, the bl- the blender's great for making soups and sauces and all those sort of things. But actually, the food processor, you get a lot more, you, a lot more general practical use. A blender makes liquidy things smooth yeah. and that's perfect for that but you haven't got anything else to do with that then. and I thought it was really interesting what you're saying about the kind of the heated blender how that's a, a home kit I was kind of expecting lots of restaurant things to come into the home but that's a home kit that's coming to the restaurant yeah it's crazy isn't it yeah but it's so well built it's such a beautiful uh, and it and it withstands I mean it's the jug is it, I mean it's chef proof so many things need to be chef proof right this problem because if you've got loads of chefs running around the kitchen being really busy things getting thrown into the pot wash it's not like at home where you're gently making one thing and then you wash it up all on its own and leave it to the side there's like an energy of like this kind of like chaotic um, uh, kind of stress in the mornings of people trying to get things done get things ready they're running around they're moving really quick there's this kind of pumping atmosphere and energy so you need bits of kit that will withstand that because at some point someone's going to drop it at some point it's going to be in the sink and someone's going to put a big pan on top of it or someone's going to these sort of things they happen and this is actually a bit of home kit that's been built really robustly and really really well also the simplicity in the design is very important easy to clean you know these are all the sort of things that come into play and again that's it's another piece of home kit that works really well because you know chefs everything needs to be cleaned all the time that bit of kit might get used four or four four or five times in a morning like every day you know making different things by different chefs all the time and that's every day if you think that bit of kit at home might get used once a week maybe yeah. you know otherwise it'll sit under the under the cupboard in the sit under the sink you know the reality of that bit of kit is it's a workhorse and it works really really well so even though you you, you know these sort of things sound like they cost a lot of money they get used they get utilized they get so they've got to be built and built robustly so if you're looking for kit for home it is normally the more money you spend, the better the product will be, the longer it will last. You know, they're almost seen as investments. If you see pots and pans and there's beautiful pots and pans out there that maybe three or four hundred quid for a pot or a pan. And you think, my God, that is an incredible amount of money for this one pot. However, that pot is going to last you forever. If you spend 40 quid on a pan this time next year, the handle might have fallen off and you've got to do it. So if you're doing that once a year, in 10 years, you've gone through 10 pans as opposed to buying the one and the other one's going to still last now for another 20 or 30 years. So, you know, long-term investment if you can afford it. Um, Okay, I think we're nearly out of time, but what is your most useful but maybe unusual bit of kitchen utensil or gadget that you've got? Mm, Do you mean for home or at work? Up to you. Okay, let (laughs) me think. Um, So at work, we'll often use uh, uh, ice cream tub lids and cut them into stencils. So there you go. That, that, so that's as a bit of kit. So you can draw your marker pen shape on it, whatever you want, and cut it out with scissors, like a craft game for kids. So like it's cutting out plastic tubs. So it's not an expensive bit of kit or anything. So we use good. that to then, then make our kind of like twill biscuits out of it or whatever else. And, and then on top of that, I mean, if you do it in a long strip, and then get it once they're baked in the oven, the oven doors wide open. The next bit of kit is a disposable biro that you can then roll the twill on it. So then you get this nice little twirly space. So a disposable biro and an ice cream lid. There you go. 
Fantastic. I love it. We spent 400 quid in a pan and then we've just re- we upcycled <laughs> a bit of old lid. <laughs> Wonderful, Tom. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. For more brilliant cooking advice, don't miss the quick bonus recipe episode. Let's cook together. See you next time. Bye.